to Fabulous. Hi, friends. I'm Shannon Payne. And I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm hungry. (laughs) Sounds like a good time. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's me all the time. We'll do our best to edit out your tummy growls. Mm. Or should we leave them in? I mean, it might add something to the whole mix. (laughs) (laughs) Hungry. uh, Wouldn't it be a great time to talk about food? Absolutely. (laughs) Why not? Let's just obsess over this for a while and then uh, figure out dinner later. I'm. This is like... What I'm going to be talking about is my typical dinner. Cereal? Yeah. Love it for dinner. Absolutely. It's so <laughs> good. I'm going to be talking about Kellogg's today. Kellogg's. I am going to be talking about the place, the park, the food, mm. Hershey's. Absolutely. Her- yeah. I love Hershey's. I didn't know Hershey Park is one word and it's is cuter it? now. That's adorable. Isn't that so cute? Maggie's been. She grew up in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's true. Uh, I need to ask her a lot of questions because in the pictures, it looked like the street lamps, like the top lamp part, were kisses. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, that's adorable. Is this whole town like Disney? (laughs) This is not even fair. That's so cute. It's really cute. I think it's on like Chocolate Avenue or something. Oh, my God. I, my heart can't even handle that. That's That's ridiculous. God, that might be the happiest place on earth. (laughs) Holy crap. Do we want to just jump into it? Sure, let's do it. Let's just jump into the thick of this mess. I don't, Brian and I were talking about this. Have we talked about the Brothers Kellogg on the podcast before? Am I just, are we thinking of a different podcast? Ah. We've talked about it with our friends. Is that is that what's happened? Because I was trying to think back and I was like, have we briefly touched on this topic before? I can't remember. We might have said something about the serial guy and masturbating. I, which but I don't we'll think we explained it. On. Yeah, that's definitely we're, we're going to get into that one. <laughs> just just a, a little bit. Um, just. Yeah, I don't know. So we're going to talk about the world of breakfast cereal, which is just like. Life for me, Frosted Flakes is just a oh lifesaver around. I might love Tony more than I love Tigger. Oh, oh God. Tigger. Yeah, and that's. He's my favorite Tiger. Absolutely. <laughs> so, as as we have to, let's just get into the origins of it all. And somehow, Liz, somehow, it always comes back to religion. Oh, I, I don't know how. I don't know how. But it sure does. It just, it's wild. <laughs> Blows my mind, really. And so for this particular brand of breakfast cereal, the origins are found in the world of the Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had no idea. Didn't quite realize that. Makes sense as we go through this a little bit more. For those not familiar, this religion was developed and promoted in the beginning, primarily in the United States, with the main idea being that healthy physical and spiritual health are just tied indelibly together. So I'm going to go into some detail, and I promise this is a mini dive on a religious topic that I know not very much about. <laughs> cool. Um, Grain of salt added. Got absolutely. It. So definitely take this with, I don't know a lot about it, and I just did a week's worth of research. So <laughs> I'm not, I am not a professional. Um, and why we're going to take this deep dive, it's going to make sense when we really get into the thick of the Kellogg's brand. So Seventh-day Adventist founders Ellen and James White made the church's quote-unquote official headquarters in Battle Creek, Michigan in 1854. Ellen, of course, names herself as prophetess of the religion, 
which I think is actually like fair. Yeah. Take it, go for it, run with Mm -hmm. it. And through the years, passed on her own inside knowledge to her flocks that would eventually spread around the world. One of the components that we talked about a little bit earlier that bears the most relevance to this story is the revelations that she received from God that told her good hygiene, a healthy plant-based diet, and of course, the strictest adherence to a chaste and modest lifestyle were the keys to overall spiritual wellness. So Liz, like coffee and tea, that's an absolute no. Sounds boring. Alcohol, definitely (laughs) not. Greasy foods, we know the answer. (laughs) The list went on and on to warn against the effects of spicy foods, pickled foods. What? Yep. Overeating, wearing corsets. Wearing wigs. <laughs> I mean, I want everybody to choose their own happiness, but that that sounds scary and hard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I, no pickled foods. Right? That seemed odd to me. That feels like vinegar and vegetables. How do you get more healthy than that? I don't know. I, maybe they just didn't understand what it was. Maybe I'm reading into bullshit. This Could lady's be. tongue is just really sensitive. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I mean, don't eat a whole jar of pickles. That's gonna that's gonna fuck you up real bad. It's, uh, not even Scott has enough tums for that. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I would not brave that ever. Mm-mm. Um, but the key component that they came across that I saw over and over and over, you should definitely, definitely not be masturbating. Or really just have too much sex in general. How much is too much? (laughs) (laughs) This is where it gets uncomfortable because I need very specific. Exactly. I'm like, you can't just say, well, not too much sex. Well, it's like. Heavy petting never meant anything to me. Absolutely not. Like, or necking. (laughs) What is that? What the fuck is that? I don't know. And it's like, yeah, I know what it means, but it doesn't but, mean anything. Uh, no, I can navigate my way around that so easily and still feel like I was within the rules. Right. So you need to be real. Exactly how much is too much? I, I would look into that for you as homework, but I uh, don't think care. I'll find some stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we'll just don't have too much sex, which again, take right, it what right, you want. Right. So we're on to the next section. The Kellogg's moved to Michigan because they were definitely picking up on the ideas that Ellen was throwing down. Okay. That's what she was saying. Thought it was pretty cool. They made this move to Battle Creek in 1856, and Ellen took immediate notice of the young John Kellogg. And he was starting to be groomed right from the very beginning for future roles in the church. They knew that they wanted him in there and they knew that he wanted him to be, they wanted him to be a big part of it. Oh. And he was only like 12 or 13 at the time. He's really young. Does she make a bunch of sex rules because she's concerned about herself sex wise? Maybe. Could be. Sometimes you need to look inside, Linda. That's usually how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't the same name. They're not the same, but they feel like a similar vibe. (laughs) It's totally fine. Um, So he's 12 or 13, and at this time, John's hired by Ellen for the role of the printer's devil. Uh, Which in... and this is for the churching, church's publishing company. Basically, what this means is it's a job that a lot of people didn't really enjoy. Um, manual typesetting was a really big thing right now. And so that's what he was charged to do. He had Ooh. to take care of every part of the typesetting. Wow. 
Which is a lot, but he... His hands were inky all oh, the time. Oh, He had ink <laughs> under his fingernails permanently. Ew. They grew that way, I'm sure. <laughs> there's no either, like, there's no other way around that. No escape. Absolutely not. Um, a lot of people hate this job. A lot of people don't like it. But John loved it. He was all about it. He saw this job as kind of a way for him to grow in his writing and reading skills. That's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. Take the positive side of it. Why not? And it worked. By the time he was 16, he was actually editing the church's monthly health advice magazine, The Health Reformer. Okay. Yeah. So Now we're an editor. Absolutely. 16. We're doing pretty good for himself. Mm-hmm. His career in the church doesn't stop there. So the whites send John to medical school experiences across the country. Like it talked about a bunch of different medical schools that he went and gained some knowledge at. Okay. When he comes back home to Battle Creek in 1876, he's ready to become head physician of the new Battle Creek Sanitarium, something that he helped start and establish himself. This place, in short time, would become famous across the world as a medical center, spa, and hotel, just notorious for being the place of luxury, almost like famous people were coming here. So at the height of its popularity, this sanitarium saw twelve to 15,000 patients a year. Oh, my goodness. Right? That's so many. Um, Will, his brother, joins the mix to run the business and human resources side of the house so that John can attend to the patients. They hire on some more people. Some of the family join in. It, comes, it becomes like a whole affair. But that's, that's the main thing to think of when it comes to the Kellogg brothers is... John's the physician. He's taking care of the patients. Um, And Will, his little brother, is taking care of, like, the business side of things. Okay. Moving on, the healthy living standards outlined by the Greater Seventh Adventist Church were applied here as well. But John Kellogg had an additional focus on gut health. He was really wanting to make sure that you were just feeling really good down there. So much relies on your gut health. But I think when when a doctor's really into gut health, you, it's like unavoidable. Yeah. It's like when someone's run a marathon yeah. and they just immediately tell you, like, if you if you meet somebody who's really into gut health, that's what they want to talk yep. about. Yep, yep, yep. One hundred percent. Totally. His, uh, so he was. He was doing research at all of these different medical schools. And at one point he's going to zoos and he's observing the animals there. And he comes across the gorillas in particular. Okay. And he watches them so carefully. And this is a little gross, but it's gut health. So here we go. He watches them so carefully that he noticed that they were having four to five bowel movements a day. And he decides that's how people should be. It is? Apparently, in his mind, that's what's supposed to be happening. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh... I know most of us are severely lacking, right? <laughs> I just don't feel like that's right. I don't have that kind of time. Uh, no, who does? <laughs> My entire day at work would just be chaos. I guess I'm sitting on the toilet, like, <laughs> which work. some days, maybe. Maybe, but, but not all the days. It should not be every day. <laughs> Good Lord. So four to five times a day. So he's thinking that people need to follow this pattern, right? And he's thinking that food... And changing the way we eat is going to be the way to get there, to make this all happen, which makes sense. I totally get that. 
he he was thinking at the time that breakfast was probably the most problematic portion of our diet because at this time breakfast is really what do I have left over from my meal the day before it's a lot of starchy it's a lot of heavy meats it's I love leftovers for breakfast yeah absolutely I'm so (laughs) on board I'm so on board and apparently so was everyone else at the time and he's like you guys no no, absolutely not so changing at breakfast started here started here kind of he had already started some of the things that I read, it was he, when he was in medical school, he had already started kind of thinking about the idea of like breakfast cereal type thing in general. Like he was trying to think of something quick and simple that was going to be healthy that you right. could prepare for yourself. Like a like a the universal porridge that's always been around. Right. Exactly. So we're getting to the part where there's a lot of conflicting accounts. And what what's conflicting is who was there when the cornflake which was the notorious first breakfast cereal of kellogg's who was there when that was really conceptualized who was there from the very beginning overall the consensus seems to be that the efforts to make a healthy convenient cereal option for breakfast um was john's idea maybe maybe will's idea but if family members come in and say, nah, I was totally in on this. I was totally a part of this. I would too. And, well, and I'm not a liar, but right. I, can, I understand what they're after. Well, and maybe maybe they were. Maybe they were. Maybe they were. Piece um, of the pie. Right? It's, I totally get it. And some of the, uh, some of the employees were in on it too. So it's not, it's hard to say, it's hard to say who did it. But. The thing that feels very solidly unanimous in a lot of ways is why. It was gut health, but there was another reason behind it. So we're back into masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) And doesn't it always come back to masturbation? (laughs) So a lot of us have heard of the optional side quest where Kellogg's developed a cereal so bland that it could stop anyone who ate it from masturbating. Yeah. Yes. Ultimately... This idea was used in his advertising. How? It was like I read an advertisement and it was literally talking about how um, this this cereal was going to like make your mind have. Like you were going to associate masturbating with this like bland cereal and it was just going to be like, I don't want to do this. I, like that's that was the general kind of consensus that I got from reading the advertisements. Oh, OK. So it's it's even advertised. I thought it was a myth at first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, there's there's written proof. It was there. Um, it's pretty likely that this was a consideration of his. It just really is. He didn't like sex at all. Um, Some people don't. No, it's true. And it said that he never actually had sex with his wife. I read some accounts that that might be the case. Mm. Um, they instead decided to foster a total of 42 children. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So many. I. Mm-mm. It's a hard pass for you me. You don't have to make up for not having kids. Absolutely not. Well, and honestly, the fact that he didn't have children of his own was probably a good thing. Right. Probably for the best, because wow. if the stories are true, um, he had some pretty horrendous ideas when it came to, quote, inhibiting sexual drives and desires. What? Uh-huh. 
I don't like that. It's, I was reading up on some stuff, and I won't go into it, but his ideas for how you stop kids from feeling things okay. were wildly fucked up. Oh, no. So Kellogg, John Kellogg, at least, was a little, was a little bit, of a bit of an ass. Wow. Yes. So take take what you will from it, but basically what happens, according to the company's website, is on a night in 1898, a batch of wheat dough was left out for what is described as, quote, an extended period of time. Nice. Yeah. Very technical. Absolutely. Long enough that it started fermenting. Oh. Yeah. So, of course, the first thought once you see that is to roll out the dough and see what happens. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, <laughs> that has to happen. In this case, the dough mold mix made thin flakes when you rolled it out. That, again, why did, why did your brain go to this place? That became delightfully crispy once you baked them. Well, sourdough's a fermented I guess dough. that's true. Um, maybe that's common by then. Yeah, I don't maybe know. that's common. It's just weird to me that we even think of any of this if at you're some a, point a in time. Dough scientist, maybe you're just trying stuff to that's figure true. things out. So, younger brother Will decides that he's going to take it a step further, change the dough from wheat to corn based, and just kind of improve on that flavor a little bit. Okay. And of course, everyone loves the new cereal. I mean, Everyone's super on board. It. I love a good cornflake. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love, I love all cereal. God damn it, cereal! <laughs> so good. I want a bowl of cereal right now. <laughs> oh my goodness! So it's taking off. People love it, and Will sees an opportunity. He was already itching to get out of his job at the sanitarium because John was kind of a shitty boss. Shocker! <laughs> <laughs> and he was stooping so low as to make Will take dictation. While he was busy with one of his, I'm assuming, four to five bowel movements of for the day. Oh. Right? So That's not nice. It's fucking rude. <laughs> that's just... I was going to say shitty, and there I did. I said it. <laughs> it is. It twice. is shitty. Twice. Twice shitty. In 1906... Um, John and Will kind of come to this agreement, and Will buys the rights to the cornflake cereal recipe and founds the Battle Creek Toasted Cornflake Company, which eventually transitions into Kellogg's. But he makes some changes that his brother John likely wouldn't have approved of. He adds malt, sugar, and salt to the corn dough, and then manufactures them in mass quantities and advertises the hell out of them. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Just three years later, so we're in 1909, Will's company was producing and selling over 120,000 cases of cornflakes a day. Oh, wow. Right? That's so much. People loved this. Of course I, they did. I, in a time when you have to make everything, right? Like you're, you have an ingredients house that's just mm-hmm. stuff to make into food. Of course I want to eat a box of cold right? cereal. And now you've got like a pretty shelf stable yeah. thing that can last for a while. Absolutely. It would be a dream. I'm super on board. <laughs> John's not. John sounds such a party pooper. John is such a party pooper. <laughs> Honestly, he sees everything happening 
all of the success. And he's like, that's fucking mine. That's just going to make us masturbate more. Right? <laughs> this is this is awful. And he's not super stoked on the fact that the Kellogg name is attached to this. The sugar-added ruined mm-hmm. version? Yeah. Oh, John. So he takes Will's ass to court, suing <gasps> for the right to use the family name just in general. It's Will's name, too. I know. You can't it's own it. It's not just yours. <laughs> It's not I mean, like technically a, you can own things, but that's mean. That's just rude. By 1920, the courts rule in Will's favor, likely due to the huge success he'd already made in marketing the Kellogg's name. Yeah, they know way more about the cereal than they do the Seventh Day Adventist. For sure. I'm sorry to say. Absolutely. That's, I think that's just how it kind of went. Sorry. The universal appeal of a crunchy, easy d- breakfast. I'm, what can you do? Yeah. There's no beating it. There abs- Reputation no wise. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Will crushed it. He took it. He ran with it. The Mm -hmm. company thrived, started bringing in new products. I mean, like, you've got you've got Frosted Flakes entering the scene. You've got Corn Pops entering the scene. You've got um, shit. The crisp one. I can't remember. The crisp one. Um, The one with the bear. The fuck. What's it called? I have it written somewhere. It's got a bear? I think it's a bear. Is he a bear? Smacks. Oh, that's it's a like frog, a, like isn't a, it? Is that a honey thing? Yeah, uh-huh. honey smacks. That's what it is. It's not crisp. <laughs> I was thinking crispix, and I couldn't get it out of my head, which I love that cereal probably. Mm. Not the most, but it's up there. <laughs> it's up there. So we're moving along. We're doing things. And then we hit... We hit the, the time frame where it's... How do we get creative with our advertising? Mm. How do we make this more? Um, so we get into the world of what's called premiums and prizes. And well, Kellogg is not only a pioneer in just like the production of cereal in general. He is actually the first one that had the brainchild of we put something in this cereal that the kids are going to want and they collect and they're going to want to buy more because they're going to want to keep collecting these things. That's cool. It's smart. It's genius. I had no idea for a minute what premiums were. So for those of us who are like me, premiums, you want to think of like you have to mail in the proof of purchase that you bought this cereal. Oh, okay. It's like you collect like two to three proof of purchases. Maybe you have to pay a little bit of a fee and then they mail you a book. They mail you a shirt. They the mail you something spoon. cool. Yeah, exactly. So Just that's a what a premium ever. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I still had mine. I don't. It's not fair. So the first premium gift that was ever offered was a book called The Funny Jungle Land Moving Pictures Book. Oh, I would do it. Absolutely on board. At first, all you had to do was send two proof of purchases to get the book. But then he kind of saw that that was already popular and doing great. So he's like, eh, let's charge you 10 cents. Mm-hmm. So he charged 10 cents. People were still all over it. People were super on board. Over 2.5 million copies in various editions were sold over the course of 23 years. Wow. They sent the same book for 23 for years. For 23 years. <laughs> it's That's kind amazing. of wild. <laughs> My mind was blown when I saw that. I was, and they started, when did they start that one? I didn't write down the year. Did I? I didn't. That's my bad. But I feel like I just missed the mark on that one. Like, I was probably pretty close to being able to have that. I had to have been. In 1945, Kellogg's releases its first set of prizes. 
So not you don't have to send anything in for this. It's just part of the box. And this was a collectible pin-backed button set. So those like circular metal like buttons that have a safety pin on the back that you can just like right, pin right. onto stuff. That's what they were sending. Um so basically what it turned out to be was they had a total of 90 buttons that you could collect. Oh my goodness. So of course you're going to be buying boxes and boxes and boxes of cereal for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life trying to get these pins that had like so some of them were like army themed, some of them were comic book themed. And it was you had 90 of them to try and collect. Some of them were in like different sets so you w- you would like try and collect well, this oh, box yeah. has, like, this set of 10. This box has this set of 10. So, like, you're trying to look for those. But 90 in total, that's absolutely going to get people to try and keep buying and oh keep buying. Oh, my gosh. Even buying. if I didn't like them, I'd want the whole set. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I just have to. It's a must. <laughs> the, the advertising campaign goes on from there in an interesting direction. <laughs> We're going to talk about Tony and Friends in Kellogg's Land. It's a whole land? It's a whole land. Oh! Jumping back to 1994, Kellogg's made a brief and very localized attempt at the world of video games. (laughs) (laughs) It's a gem. It's an absolute gem, and Nintendo could maybe sue. We'll find out. (laughs) It was a platform-style game that was made for the Commodore Amiga and the MS-DOS operating system. It was... Only released at the time as a Kellogg's promotional attempt in Germany. Oh. The game includes stars such as Tony the Tiger, Dig'em Up Frog, but he was only referred to as Smacks throughout this. So he's the, mm-hmm. the sugar Smacks guy. Coco the Monkey and Toucan Sam. Oh, Toucan Sam. Yeah. He's I here. know that guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Chaco's the Bear will also show up to give everyone advice, obviously in German. Whenever characters, this is going to sound familiar, jump up and hit their heads on the underside of a question, question mark style box. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, those can be found just spread throughout the level. Not like anything we've ever seen before. No, what a creative idea. Absolutely. Completely novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's ever thought of this before. Um, yeah. So there's that. And then thanks to the age of the internet, while the game was only released in Germany, the world now has access to this gem, <laughs> which has been described as playable with an, without an understanding of the German language. So people like you and me, we are uh, wow. able to play. What's stopping us? Nothing, I think, <laughs> except time. And desire. And desire. Yeah. I can, I can play... <laughs> No, there's not another game I can play. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's nothing like this that I could play that would probably be more fun. No, I um, have cooler music. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but we all know that one game is never enough, right? Right. Absolutely not. So in 1999, another game in the Kellogg's canon called Mission Kellogg's was released <laughs> worldwide on the Windows 98 operating system. <laughs> it's so... I mean, in this one, you get to play with Snap, Crackle, and Pop, as well as a character called Cornelius Chicken. Who is Cornelius Chicken? I don't know. There's not a chicken cereal. I don't know. So we might get... I have some fun facts later that might <laughs> give us... No, you're good. That might give us a, an idea of who 
Cornelius Chicken Cornelius might have chicken. been. But basically what happens, shock of shocks, he fulfills the same role as Chaco Bear in the original game. So when you hit these uh, really unique and new and never been seen before question mark blocks, <laughs> he gives you advice. Oh, thank goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the title was later changed to Kellogg's Mission Nutrition. That's cute. Absolutely. And <laughs> just very on theme with the Why original isn't it Kellogg's a, a mission. Nutrition mission. That's what it should have been. Oh well. That would have been better. <laughs> they needed Liz for their advertising <laughs> campaign. So I'm gonna end all of this with a few random facts. <clears throat> In the Oh no. <laughs> In the world of Twitter, you can really expect absolutely anything to happen right and uh the official tony the tiger account is no different is he crazy no but (laughs) yes poor guy um by the latter half of 2018 the account had to change its name to frosted flakes because tony the tiger was repeatedly getting requests of a sexual nature for from some people who are a part of the furry community Oh, mm-hmm. I can see how they might misunderstand, especially if they're not cold cereal fans. Absolutely. They have how would no they idea. Know, Tony? It's been a long time since the television has said that it's great. great. It's true. Yeah. I guess. What a what an interesting thing to happen. Right. <laughs> to, totally fine if he's to on board, tiger. but sending unsolicited dick pics is not okay. We've talked, well, you and I have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There are some things that you should just check in with first. Absolutely. You don't just send it out willy, willy-nilly. That's uh, that's what an unsolicited dick pic is. It's a willy-nilly. willy-nilly. Oh, my God. 100%. That's exactly what that is. Oh, God. I, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's uh-huh. a willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Uh. Absolutely. Like I said, nothing wrong with the lifestyle. Not saying anything no. about that. Just maybe ask permission before you start sending things like that. Manners matter. And they do. They absolutely do. And somebody has to read those for Tony, so. And somebody come up with, like, the code word or emoji for his bio so that people will know whether or not he's in the community. Right. I like a good hint. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be that, like, in your face. No. But, you know, one furry to another, they'd understand. Exactly. I think that's safe. I think that's safe and helpful. <laughs> yeah. Just very helpful. <laughs> um, Next fact, a Tony might not have ever had to worry about any of these unsolicited, um, oh, what did we just call them? Willy nillies. Uh, because he was supposed to actually be a kangaroo named Katie. Well, that's quite different. Absolutely. Yes. Frosted Flakes. The official mascot being Katie the kangaroo. Neither one of them has much of anything to do with corn. Absolutely not. But but that would be total. That's a different world altogether. Truly, I'm trying to imagine. In the it. upside down, it's Katie the kangaroo. Yes, <laughs> I could have been on board. Who knows? Sure. Okay, we're back to this chicken theme here. Cornelius. Cornelius. <laughs> Kellogg's overall mascot of a rooster came about because Will Kellogg was just delighted that the Welsh word for rooster, I think it's Kellogg. For you guys, and Scott's going to be able to tell me this. C-E-I-L-O-G. 
It was just so similar to his last name. He didn't see the cocktail coming? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's fine. Wait, wait is this the, this is Will? This is Will. He, maybe he saw it and was like, John's gonna hate John's this. gonna think this is the fucking worst. And I'll be like, no, it's Keylog. And he'll be like, right. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And just in case you were wondering, the rooster's name is Corny. <laughs> Yep. That's pretty great. I have two more gems here for you. One is some of my favorite discontinued Kellogg cereal names. Let's do it. Okay. Starting off pretty, pretty small here. Banana Bubbles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of not great. There's a lot of Simpsons stuff here. So Bart Simpson's No Problemos. No Problemos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bart Simpson's Eat My Shorts cereal. What's that? I don't <laughs> have to know. Look that one up. We'll have to look that one up. <laughs> Crunchy Logs. Nope. That mm-hmm. nice choice to yep. discontinue that. Absolutely. My personal favorite, Mr. T's Muscle Crunch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would eat that. No questions asked. The L- my niece was in my room the other day and uh, noticed that I have a lamp on my bedside <gasps> table that's a T Rex. And uh, she was like, hey, we have this lamp at home in our room. <laughs> oh. Well, mine's named Mr. T. <laughs> so there. <laughs> and I use the Alexa to turn it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. T. Because he's a T-Rex. I love this so much. So if you ever walk past our house and you hear me yelling, computer, turn on Mr. T, you'll know why. I love this. This makes my heart happy. It's dark in the bedroom. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the last thing I have for you guys is a Kellogg's cereal cocktail recipe. What? Because this does exist. So for those of you, and I might have to try it, I don't know. It could happen. Um, This is called cereal milk espresso martini. Oh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I can see how people really would love it. I think it's going to be entirely too sweet for me. So you're doing 50 milliliters of vodka, 15 of simple syrup. Drink responsibly. 25 of cereal milk, which cereal milk you make by steeping your favorite cereal. These guys choose to tell you cornflakes should be used for every step involved in this process. Okay. So you steep cornflakes in milk for five to ten minutes, strain out the cereal, you use the milk. Then 50 milliliters of Kellogg's cornflakes infused espresso. Which follows the same process. You make some espresso, stick cornflakes in it for 10 to 15 minutes, drain out the cornflakes, put it in your drink. Um, You add all of the chilled ingredients to a cocktail shaker, shake it with ice, and then you serve in like a like a like a martini glass. Okay. so if you're ever feeling like you want cereal and a drink. There you go. Right, right, right. Yeah. I bet it is very, very sweet. I'm sure it's entirely too much. Why? All, I, I'm surprised that they would also steep the espresso. I feel like the, that was a lot. Like the cereal milk, I thought was going to be enough. Right. It is a very specific flavor. Yeah. Well, thank goodness. Thank goodness for that because we all <laughs> needed that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's, that's Kellogg's in a nutshell. I didn't want to delve too deep into this realm, but I felt like there were some interesting things to be talked about. Well, I'm very grateful for cold cereal. Mm, Me too. It's changed my life forever. 
I have for I love I love oatmeal. I'm a very fat old fashioned oatmeal cream of wheat kind mm. of girl. Oh, cream of wheat. Oh my god. I love that cream of wheat. Same. Um, but for for like dinner, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. gotta be cold cereal, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Honey bunches of oats all oh, day fuck. long. I love honey bunches of oats. Have you ever had that with Greek yogurt? Like honey Greek yogurt? I bet that's amazing. It's really good. Mm. It's like sweet granola. <laughs> Guess I know what I'm getting on hand now because that sounds just really good. It's delicious. Mm. It's really good. It got me through, I don't know, a, an entire semester of college, perhaps. Mm, that's fair. It was a solid meal. Oh, my God. Oh, I made bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear about Milton Hershey? I f- Absolutely, I do. We spent a lot of time together. I do refer to him as Milt on multiple occasions. Okay. So yeah. mm-hmm. we're friends like that. Absolutely. Okay. Milt. Milt. <laughs> My friend Milt. <laughs> Milt was born in Derry Township, PA, on September 13th of 1857. Why does that just feel perfect? It's cute, huh? God. He's a Virgo. Okay. So he's an earth sign. Mm -hmm. And earth sign to earth sign. This explains, because I'm also one, Mm. this explains a lot about chocolate, the monies, and the relentless pursuit of his dream world. Absolutely. Aren't you an earth sign too? Is Scorpio an earth sign? Am I still a Scorpio? I don't know. You're still a Scorpio because I read an article about how Opicus isn't really going to happen because NASA said no thank you. Okay. But, well, we can bring it up some more later. Uh, Earth signs. Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. Okay, so not me. Nope. Dang it. Just me and Milt. (laughs) And Seth Taylor. And Seth Taylor. Well, actually, a lot of our friends are Tauruses. That's actually very true. (laughs) We found that out, like, last year. Yeah, that's why Mm -hmm. we all have a combined birthday. Yep. Except for Stephanie. I think she's on the cusp. I need to learn more about the cusp. But I think she's, like, the day it changes. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of a special. I like that. A cusp baby. A cusp baby. There should be more words that are sp- there should be. That's a that's a fun one. Is that hard for a, a reformed lisper? Sp, sp, probably. Yeah, I'm probably doing it wrong. It's it's the cutest one of the speech things. Oh. The little lisp. Oh. Milt's parents were Mennonites, oh. and so he grew up in a Mennonite community, speaking Pennsylvania Dutch. That feels, again, just so appropriate. Yeah, just really everything about Milt is very quaint. Yeah, he's just a sweetheart. Oh. <laughs> He had one younger sister, but she passed away when she was only four years old. Oh. And Milt's dad, Henry Hershey. I love an alliterative That's name. amazing. He was uh, born under a wandering star, as they say. Mm. Um, so he spent a lot of time away from his wife and son for like long periods of time. He'd okay. be gone. And that left a lot of man of the house duties to Milt and not a lot of time for a formal education. So Milt only made it through the fourth grade in, oh, wow. in official school school. Uh, he left school officially in 1871 when he was 14. He was apprenticed to Sam Ernst. This is so funny. He was a printer. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, a printer who published a German-English newspaper. Okay. Milt was bored stupid and accidentally dropped his hat into the, one of the machines. Oh, no. And he got fired. That'll happen. But Milt's dad, Henry Hershey, got to say it. Uh, convinced Sam to give him another chance, but thankfully, Milt's mom and Aunt Maddie had another plan. Oh, good. They wanted him to be a candy man. Yeah. He got into the candy business when he became an apprentice for master confectioner Joseph Reuter. Royer. I don't know why I changed it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sometimes that just happens. <laughs> Milt learned the ways of confectionery, and four years later, at the tender age of 18, he took wow. his new skills and a whole lot of audacity to Philly to start his own candy business. Perfect. Twas a bust. No. Milt's first company ended in bankruptcy. Oops. Um, Milt took this opportunity to broaden his candy horizons. Um, he worked with confectioners in Denver to learn how to make caramels from fresh milk, looked for new opportunities in New Orleans and then Chicago, and eventually landed in New York City in 1883, training at Hyler's. I have to write my name. It rhymes with Tyler. It's <laughs> H-U-Y-L-E-R. Okay. So I, had, no, I needed fair. to know. I would need to do that too. <laughs> at the time, Hyler's was the biggest and baddest of the chocolate makers in the United States. Okay. So it was a good place to go and learn. Absolutely. Um, now, this section is about the Lancaster Caramel Company. <gasps> um, that's how I've always said that word. And that's how Seth Taylor says that word. But you would not believe the amount of times that I'll be like at a fast food place and ask mm. for a caramel shake. And they're like, do you mean a caramel shake? Uh, yeah. 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 I do, actually. It's okay yeah. if we don't say it the same way. It's you don't have to be mean. Fine. Right? <laughs> That's always weird to me when people make the biggest deal about that. <laughs> it's such a strange hill to die on. Yes. Why can't we talk more about espresso? Uh, please, that God, serious. that one's actually wrong. <laughs> that one's legitimately so incorrect. It's so dumb. Yes. <laughs> but X words, I guess. Mm, I guess. They get you. Hmm. In 1883, when Milt was 26, he made his way back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to start his second business, the Lancaster Caramel Company. He put his skills and knowledge that he'd gained over the last decade in candy, um, and he used a recipe for fresh milk caramel to make and sell caramels in bulk. Oh. The business did okay because caramel. Of course. Um, but then a fellow from England who was visiting in Lancaster tried them and went bananas. He made a huge bulk order to be delivered to Britain. Milt had to take out a loan to buy the supplies for the huge order, but he made enough money to pay off his loan and replenish his supplies and equipment. Wow. Yeah. So it was really cool. The Lancaster Caramel Company grew to employ over 1,300 people in two factories. Wow. And then Milt went to the fair. Of course. This section is entitled, Liv, Liz Loves to Talk About the World's Fair. Yes. Because I can't stop. Don't even try. <laughs> um, Milton attended the World's Columbian Exposition, also known as the Chicago World's Fair, yes. in 1893. <sighs> yes. Um, setting aside that a, a whole thing to commemorate Columbus's discovery of America <sighs> is dumb and it's didn't happen. fucking dumb. The World's Fair is still really cool. Yes. So forget that guy. We're going to talk about his sculpture, but we don't care about him, actually. He's yeah, the worst. He's the absolute. Fuck him. Yeah. Um, there at the fair, he saw the displays created by Blooker's Dutch Cocoa Windmill in House, where he probably had some hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. And Millard's Chocolates, nearly 1,000 square foot display display space in the agricultural building. Okay. And if you know anything about the Chicago World's Fair, you know that they built a temporary city, essentially, full yeah. of these beautiful white buildings, the White City. Mm -hmm. And um, they weren't made to be there forever, but they were full-size, like, exhibition buildings. Yeah. And, and now they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the agriculture one. <laughs> I just think it's so cool. It is so cool. <laughs> 
Maillard's was not new to jaw-dropping displays. Their chocolates were at President Lincoln's inaugural ball. Oh. Won a gold medal at the Paris Universal Expedition in 1887. That's the one where we got the Eiffel Tower. Yep. And in the 1876 World's Fair in Philadelphia, the dis- their display was described thusly. <gasps> Towering in the center of the case was a 15-foot monument of white sugar and chocolate depicting episodes in American history, including America's first victory of the revolution, the capture of Fort Ticonderoga by Ethan Allen, Benedict Arnold, and the Green Mountain Boys, an event that occurred exactly a century to the day before the exposition opened. In Chicago, Maillard's was classified in Department A, Agricultural Group 3, Sugars, Syrups, Confectionery, etc. And Group 8, Tea, Coffee, Spices, Hops, and Aromatic and Vegetable Substances. So they got to be in both areas. Interesting. <laughs> I, they, I love the very specific classifications of how they organized yes. everybody's booth. Love it. So good. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, they had created three solid chocolate sculptures. A seven and a half foot tall Christopher Columbus that weighed 1,700 pounds. And Goodness. copies in chocolate of the classic sculptures Venus de Milo and Minerva, which weighed 1,500 pounds each. Wow. Right. Uh, chocolate manufacturing machinery was also displayed at the fair. Okay. So people um, talked about them like they were carved out of chocolate. Yeah. But um, the Columbus, I know specifically, was made from molds and then put together. Okay. Uh, so they would send the pieces to Chicago and assemble him once that, it was there. That makes that makes sense. Which is pretty cool. Also, another cool thing about that Columbus was that the model for the chocolate Columbus was the sculptor who made a real sculpture of Columbus that's in New York. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. The only cool thing about Columbus. That's it. That's yep, the one thing. That's the one thing. They had actually made a chocolate Venus de Milo before for the expedition in France because Maillard is French. Yeah. Uh, but France hated it. Oh, no. They thought it was so disrespectful of the beautiful classic piece of art. Some oh, people no. like nibbled it a little bit. Um, and they were just like, they said they thought it was tacky as hell and it started to melt. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently at the Chicago fair, they said it wouldn't melt because it was covered in a layer of varnish. Okay. That would make it so it was still edible. But huh. it, they got a little melty anyway because it's it's hot in I Chicago mean, yeah, in the absolutely. summer. So there's just no getting around <laughs> that. Still, so incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so Milt left Chicago with chocolate on the brain. Obvi, of course. He purchased some chocolate manufacturing machinery and started coating his caramels in chocolate. One of the best ideas he ever mm. had, in my opinion. Absolutely. The Hershey Chocolate Company was created as a subsidiary of the Lancaster Caramel Company, and Milt started developing his own line of what he called sweet chocolate novelties. Love this. He's so cute. So cute. Um, At this time, milk chocolate is a pricey luxury item. Okay. it's. I think it's um, very Swiss. Makes sense. We didn't know how to make it yet. Right. Milt's goal was to engineer a formula for milk chocolate that would be accessible to everyone. He developed a process to mass produce milk chocolate in 1899 and finally decided to sell the Lancaster Caramel Company for $1 million in 1900. Oh my God. Interestingly enough, it goes on to stay a company and it gets a different name and they become like the first company to put baseball cards in candy packages. 
like oh. Lancaster Caramel turns into another caramel company that is like the biggest caramel producer in the United States for some time. So they continue to enjoy success, which I really like to know. I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Uh, using his caramel money, Milt built a big chunk, or sorry, he didn't build it. <laughs> Milt bought a big chunk of farmland north of Lancaster near Dairy Township, where he was born, placing him appropriately to obtain the gobs of fresh milk required to make Hershey's milk chocolate. Absolutely. And he established the Hershey Chocolate Company right there. Um, the Virgo stubborn determination <laughs> resulted in um, the first Hershey bar being produ- produced in that same year in 1900. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so he was moving and shaking. I think wow. he, I think he establishes an eight in August, and they produce a chocolate bar by December or November. That's November, such December. a fast turnaround. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. And he had developed the process, but still, like setting something up and producing a product seems right. like it should take more than a couple months. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of amazing, especially in the before times. Exactly. When stuff was just slower. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. The Hershey process for milk chocolate is a trade secret. Very hush-hush. But it is suspected that the milk is partially lipolized, producing butyric acid, which is a compound found in stuff like Parmesan cheese. Okay. um, Which stabilizes the milk and keeps it from further fermentation. Okay. That's why Hershey's chocolate has a slightly tangy taste. It does, doesn't it? If you think like it's got a, it's got a Parmesan tang. It does. It does. I hadn't thought of it till I read it and I was like, no, that's right. That's completely spot on. (laughs) I saw a TikTok of a British person. If you want to know why Hershey's chocolate tastes like vomit. And I was like, that's a little, that's a little intense, don't you think? Just a a little bit. I think tang is nicer. It's not my favorite chocolate either, but that's Uh, pretty mean. But yes. (laughs) It tastes like vomit. No, my God. Ouch. Ouch. Well, we have good mayonnaise. Yeah, that's true. So take that. Yeah. People in the U.S. associate that tang with the taste of chocolate so much that other U.S. chocolate manufacturers who use a different process add butyric acid to their milk chocolate to make it taste the same. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Because that's what we think chocolate's supposed to taste like. Yes. That's just it now. <laughs> so they add that's it That's the too. standard. <laughs> okay. In the midst of all of that hubbub, Milt met and married Kitty on May, twi- or, yeah, May 25th of 1898. Oh my God. Catherine Sweeney, who went by Kitty, met Milt at a candy shop in New York, no lie, when he was there delivering an order of his caramels. I just cannot. It's I so cute. I cannot. Milt and Kitty meeting over caramels. From beginning to end, Milton Hershey's life is like a Pixar short. It's so cute. He's gonna he's gonna float away in a house with balloons on <laughs> it, isn't he? Absolutely. Oh my god. Or a paper airplane from his true love across the world will um, land in his hands. Something ugh. like that. It's really cute. Oh my god. Um so now that I'm gonna tell you about the factory and the town. Okay. In 1903, construction began on what would become the largest chocolate manufacturing company in the world. The factory was finished in 1905, and soon Hershey's Milk Chocolate was the first nationally marketed product of its kind. Mm. And Milt started growing a community around the factory that included homes, businesses, churches, and a whole transportation infrastructure, like a whole trolley system. Wow. Um, All of it was surrounded by dairy farms that could supply fresh milk to the factory, allowing them to mass produce their quality milk chocolate. So he built this whole life out there. For them to stay and live. And 
And there are company towns in a lot of different areas of the United States, for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one's pretty decent. That's good. But I think it's okay and probably more fair to acknowledge that some of them were were not good. Right. And and did bad things for people. Yes. Um, Milt was, this is a quote, part of a forward-looking group of entrepreneurs who believed that providing better living conditions for their workers resulted in better workers. Novel. Milt conceived of building a community that would support and nurture his workers. Developing the community became a lifelong passion for him. Aww. He it, he was like, let's make chocolate, but also let's make this place beautiful so people yeah. love to live here. That's amazing. It's so sweet. I love milk. I know. Oh, my God. Hershey, Pennsylvania remains an un- unincorporated community. All of its municipal services come from Dairy Township. So it's right by there. Okay. And they're like, their elected officials and stuff are in Dairy. Okay. The Hershey's Kiss. So two, the next two products come out in 1907, the Hershey's Kiss and Hershey's Bar with Almonds in 1908. Okay. Um, just to let you know about the speed of, of the evolution That's so of things. Fast. That's pretty cool. Um, this section is called Milt isn't anyone's dad, so he'll be everyone's dad. Perfect. Milt and Kitty couldn't have children, which was a huge bummer, mm-hmm. but they were loaded so they could help children. And that was awesome. Absolutely. The Hershey's had given charitably before, but everyone seems to unanimously credit Kitty for their decision to give. When people would ask why they donated to whatever Milt would say, it was Kitty's idea, mm-hmm. which is interesting because he's also he's a sweetie pie. Absolutely. So he was giving her credit. But also people say like she really taught him about he grew up poor. Maybe he didn't yeah. know about it. Exactly. She taught him about opportunities to give and and chose a lot of the places where they would give their money, which I was very cool. I love that. It's so sweet. Oh. In 1909, they established the Hershey Industrial School, later to be renamed as Milton Hershey School with a deed of trust to provide a place for orphaned boys to be cared for and receive an education. Um, This is from the um, Milton Hershey School's website. They have an article that they flipped to their front page about um, Kitty Hershey for International Women's Month, which is neat. Yeah. The deed of trust confirms Catherine Hershey's role in founding and shaping the school. This document was signed by both husband and wife. At the time, women had little involvement in the business and legal affairs of their spouses. Mrs. Hershey standing as a co-founder was unusual. It meant she would continue to be involved in the school, even if Mr. Hershey died. Oh. Which didn't end up happening, but um, I, th- I think that's me- very meaningful that she's part of it and will continue to be part of it. Yeah. And on paper, it shows her contribution, mm-hmm. which is just not very common for women in the time. Right. It was awesome. That's amazing. If Milt was everyone's dad, Kitty was their mom. She loved to plan and enjoy gardens, and she allowed anyone from town to enjoy the gardens at their home, High Point Mansion. She contributed a great deal to the town's landscaping. Um, she also spent heaps of time at the school, participating in the planning of curriculum and seeing that the regular needs of the children were being met. She had breakfast with them a lot. Oh, it's really cute. My God. Just to make sure they got off a good start on their day. <laughs> my heart. The Milton Hershey School has a piece up on their website. So the one I was telling you about, about Kitty, and it says, Milton Hershey School is Milton and Catherine Hershey's legacy. It gave them a family they could call their own. 
It continues to meet their wish to help children lead productive and fulfilling lives. I love it. There's a little thing later on that we'll talk about, about the endowment and the, and the trust, but it doesn't have anything to do with Mill and Kitty. Okay. They are pure. Absolutely. Don't let it touch them. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> this is a portion of uh, Titanic conspiracy evidence that I'd like to contribute. Okay. There is a whole conspiracy on the internet that the Titanic never sunk, never sank. Mm. we'll talk about that later Mm -hmm. so there was another cruise liner that looked very similar that was about to be decommissioned by the same company and some people say that they held took that one out and sunk it for insurance money (gasps) and the titanic never went anywhere what and it became maybe it it became a different they give it a different name and it's a different ship i can't remember so they think that um and that's why a bunch of famous people bailed at the last minute which is true. A lot yeah. of people canceled before they left and, yeah. didn't, and didn't end up in an accident. So the, the people let them know somehow. Oh. Whether or not that's true. <laughs> oh, my God. In 1912, the Hershey's intended to journey on the maiden voyage of the British luxury liner RMS Titanic. They canceled their trip last minute because Milt had business obligations. But the check he wrote to the White Star Line as a deposit for a first class room on the Titanic is still in the archives at the Hershey Story Museum. Oh. Isn't that cool? Wow. <laughs> wow. What a neat thing. Um, Kitty died in March of 1915. Oh. She had an unknown disease that caused her to lose mobility and balance. Um, and she'd been ill for several years when okay. she passed away. Oh. So I think they were married for like 17 years. I didn't do the math. That's fair. That's just a guess. Um, in 1918, uh, so just a few years after Kitty mm-hmm. had passed away, Milt gifted his entire fortune to his kids at the Milton Hershey School Trust. Oh. Including the control of his company. So the trust is managed by the Hershey Hershey Trust Bank, which was owned by Milt at the time. Okay. So he owned him still while he was alive. Yeah. Um, essentially. Um, the trust um, still has majority of shares. So they maintain control of the company um, and also have 100% control of Hershey Entertainment and Resorts Companies. Okay. And they own the Hotel Hershey and Hershey Park. Perfect. So the okay. same board of directors owns most most Hershey everything. Yeah. I think now they earn they own what's called Hershey food. So some of those companies have grown into a different thing. Okay. Um, he didn't intend the entailment to be a secret, but he didn't want a bunch of fanfare about it. So the news didn't become widely known until like five years later. Okay. That he'd given his whole fortune yeah. to the school. Um Here's the here's the hinky part. Mm. The setup of control established by Milt and his and his advisors has made room for a hinky behavior among the board members mm. since the trust's creation. I read an article from from Philanthropy News Digest, which is a thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, about a book written by Bob Fernandez, who's a reporter um, for the Philadelphia Inquirer. OK, he called. Oh, sorry. The book's called um, The Chocolate Trust. The article is linked in the show notes, so you guys can check it out. Um, the whole vibe feels very Enzyme Peaks and the Corporation for mm. the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Like, there's there's moving of money in ways that were not appropriate. The trust had, like, very explicit instructions about yeah. how all these things were to go to the school only. Right. And one of their weird moves does result in the Penn State 
the hospital in Hershey, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. But another one, they bought a failing golf course from one of the mm. board members for like three times what it was worth. No, Like there's some not great things. And it ends up being this trust that has billions of dollars My God. that is only taking care of like 1,200 kids in one school. Yeah. And that's suspicious. Absolutely. Like they, the, they're just not... I don't think they're using it properly. Right. And the the book has a lot of the secrets, I guess. Mm. Which is a bummer. Milt wouldn't be happy. Milt wouldn't be happy. He's going to haunt you fuckers. Absolutely. You just wait. Yes. Um, In 1930, Milt... So let's get back to Milt's life because he's cooler. Mm -hmm. Milt started something called the Great Building Campaign. Oh. And this is... This is Milt top to bottom right here. During the Great Depression, Milt found a creative way to employ workers. He called it the Great Building Campaign. The campaign employed over 600 workers, and the works of their hands and Milt's creative problem solving are still standing. The Hotel Hershey, the Hershey Community Theater, the Community Building, and the Hershey Sports Arena were all part of the Great Building Campaign. Milt said, we have about 600 construction workers in this town. If I don't provide work for them, I'll have to feed them. And since building materials are now at their lowest cost levels, I'm going to build and give them jobs. Mm. The first thing he did was donate his huge mansion to be used as the clubhouse at the new country club. And then the country club gave away like 100 memberships because of that. Okay. I, I saw a YouTube video that said that there's more golf course per square foot in Hershey than like any other place. Mm. <laughs> so there's, it's a big golfing community. Interesting. <laughs> um, so then Hershey downsized, confining himself to two rooms on the home's second floor where he oversaw a succession of massive projects, the article said. Okay. When they were excavating before building Hotel Hershey, which is like really pretty. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, They used steam shovels until Milt had a better idea. These machines, this is what he said. These machines do the work of 40 men. Take them off. Hire 40 men. Okay. (laughs) I like it. He's just like, why are we, why are we doing this? Right. (laughs) In 1935, Milt established the MS Hershey Foundation um, to further provide for the community. So it provided cultural opportunities for workers and residents um, in Hershey. It funds the Hershey Museum, Hershey Gardens, the Hershey Theater, and the Hershey Community Archives. Still to this day. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's wow. like, do you, did you watch the Victoria's Secret Angel documentary about the guy who owns Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works and all that stuff? I started it and forgot to finish it. That same guy built a house in a rich community and tried to like establish it and everybody's trees had to be like the same height and the same diameter Ugh. and 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 he had a similar dream like i'm gonna make a perfect place because mm-hmm. because as a as a jewish american he didn't fit into this other rich community he wanted to be a part of okay. so he's gonna make his own yeah and i was just seeing that in juxtaposition to what milt did where he made a town and was like how can we make this more beautiful so that people can be proud of themselves and have success and, yeah. and work and have good lives. Mm-hmm. So two very different ways to go Absolutely. about making your dream place. Yes, <laughs> completely. The, no Harvey Weinstein in Hershey, in case you were wondering. Thank fuck. Yeah, it's pretty great. Okay, World War II is next. 
During the Second World War, the Hershey Chocolate Company supplied the U.S. armed forces with what were called Ration D bars and tropical chocolate bars. Oh. They were chocolate bars that met precise Army requirements. Ration D bars weighed one or two ounces, resisted melting at temperatures above 90 degrees, and they had to be gross enough that the soldiers wouldn't start to crave them. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, they're not doing enough. Right. Now we give them gross chocolate. Goodness. <laughs> that We're can't meticulous. melt. What is that? Candle Seriously. wax? No, that melts. I don't know what I don't it know. is. Good Lord. <sighs> um, they went over really well, though, and the Army, Army commissioned the Tropical Chocolate Bar to do all the same things, but taste better. Oh, good. Uh, and between 1940 and 1945, over $3 billion ration D and tropical chocolate bars were produced and distributed to soldiers throughout the world. I love that. That's amazing. The one, one little piece of home yeah <laughs> such a great thing oh in 1963 um milton hershey school trust provided the initial endowment of five of 50 million dollars for the penn state milton s hershey medical center which is a hospital um the only single restriction that they placed was that the hospital had to be built in hershey okay and it's a teaching hospital Perfect. So in in the community of Hershey, there's not a ton of people. I think it's like 15,000-ish. Okay. Uh, More are employed by the hospital, but a lot of them are um, still employed by the the factory and the tourist places in Hershey. Now I know what you're asking. Uh, What about the Reese's peanut butter cups? What about them? Let me tell you. Yes. Um, so uh, we we decided to make a hospital in 1963, but perhaps more importantly, the Hershey Company purchased the H.B. Reese Candy Company in 1963. Perfect. Reese was an employee of the Hershey Company and a resident of Hershey when he started making candy in his basement in the early 1920s. Okay. Cutie pie. Absolutely. He created the peanut butter cup in 1928, and no one has ever been mad about it. No. My favorite thing, probably. <laughs> He was supplied with the chocolate for his peanut butter cups by Hershey, and they worked together for years. Reese's six sons took over the H.B. Reese Candy Company in 1956, and they made the decision to sell to the Hershey Company in 1963. Okay. So that's how Reese's became part of Hershey officially. Perfect. But they always had Hershey chocolate. That's amazing. Yeah. That was cute. That's adorable. Um. Melton Hershey died uh, on October 13th of 1945 at the age of 88. And there's a statue of Milton in front of the Milton Hershey School where he's holding an orphan boy all wrapped up in his arms. And the plaque says, his deeds are his monument. His life is our inspiration. That's beautiful. So uh, this town fucking loved him. And he was a darling angel of a man. I love it. Now I have something very important that I need to tell you. Okay. According to Wikipedia, (laughs) there have been nine flavors of Hershey's chocolate bars that were only available for a limited amount of time. Okay. One of them was cookies and mint. (gasps) Cookies and mint was the single greatest creation in American chocolate, and there's no telling what I might do to get it back. I never had it. It's so fucking good. Oh my God, my heart. There's something called... Hershey's Ice Cream Shop Cookies and Mint Flavored Candy Bar. This is not the same thing. Okay. It's vanilla cream, not milk chocolate. Okay. I'm willing to trade unspeakable things for the limited edition Hershey's Cookies and Mint Bar with chocolate cookie bits in creamy mint milk chocolate. That sounds so good. Not the mint flavored cream with chocolate cookies. That's not the same. Oh my God. I missed out. 
It's so good. I can't believe I missed out. And it wasn't that long ago because I remember getting them when we lived in our townhouse. <laughs> How did I miss this? It's milk chocolate with the same tiny little circle cookies as in cookies oh. and cream. But the but chocolate it, is minty. But it's minty chocolate. It's so good. Oh, my God. The one that's fake is like a mint green color. Uh-huh. And it's like white chocolate, which isn't chocolate. You no. know. Um, so it's easy to tell the difference. You won't get fooled if you just pay attention. But if you know where I can find it. <laughs> there's an experience you can do at Hershey, uh, Hershey Park, Hershey Land, Hershey Museum, a Hershey thing in Hershey, mm-hmm. where you can make your own. Hershey bar. Do they let you make a mint one? I'm not sure because I don't know if it has mint chocolate, but I saw a girl making one that had like pretzels and chocolate chips and something else. You put them, they go in the mold and then you see your chocolate bar get made and then you design your own package and then they wrap it up in your pack. It sounds amazing. I want to do that. I think I'm going to have to go. I think it'd it'd be a blast just to see those Hershey Kiss lampposts. Right. That Hershey Kiss Christmas commercial where their little bells yes. is one of the most iconic commercials in my brain. Truly. It's just, it was it was a magical little commercial. I loved that. I mean, it's, they still play it, right? I guess I haven't watched TV in a hot minute, but. I don't know what's on television. Mm. I feel like the last <laughs> time I watched a Christmas movie on the television was, like, I saw that, that it was there. But that's Thank goodness. probably been a while, so I can't. I can't vouch for now times. I mean, you could make it an Instagram ad, Hershey. No mm. one would be sad to see that one. There are I, a lot of ads, I think. No, thank you. But that one. I'd watch that. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. It's nostalgic as as the Santa Claus, honestly. Yep. It's just perfect. Mm. <laughs> it really is. Wow, those, those sweet Hershey people. <laughs> that actually makes me really happy. I hate that when you give people money they ruin it yes they ruin things that are good and pure Mm -hmm. like the hershey's yeah and that stinks and i hope they feel shitty about it i they better um but i really i it was nice to learn about an inventor who wasn't a total asshole yes originally when they started their school it did say in the charter that it was for white boys without fathers Mm. Um, and that has changed and i'm not forgiving his racism uh but I mean, he went on to be a better person. And yeah. I think that his love for people would have expanded with his understanding. So I hope it did. I would hope so. Yeah. Seems like a class A kind of dude. I like it. My goodness. And that's Hershey. That's Hershey. <laughs> now I'm really hungry. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Hershey has an ad. I don't know if it's new this year or last year, but it's um, for International Women's Month. And it's Hershey. Perfect. Which is really cute. Yeah. And the spokesperson for the ad is a transgender woman. Okay. And there are a lot of people on the internet saying, like, women can't even have chocolate because they don't understand um, how to be not garbage people. Yep. So if you see that ad or if you see some butthole man with a podcast on TikTok saying shit about it, Mm -hmm. um, she's a lovely woman. Yeah. And... I hope that she makes a ton of money off her sheet. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go buy a bunch of pink chocolate bars, even though I don't like them. That's fair. <laughs> all kinds of women all over the place deserve chocolate and happiness and your fucking respect. <laughs> yes. We don't ask for a whole lot more. No, that's pretty much it. That's all I need, please. <laughs> so leave her alone. She's really cool. Yes. God. Well, this was fun friends let's do this again sometime (laughs) yeah and say hi to your mom for me